This is the Photography Podcast on photography.ca, episode number 134, Finding Your Photography Style, an interview with Brett Culp. Hey there, photo lovers. How's it going? And welcome to the 134th Photography Podcast on Photography.ca. My name is Marco, and as usual, we're coming to you from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. For today's show, we're going to talk about finding your uh, photographic style, and we're going to do an interview with a uh, fine art photographer, Brett Culp. He's from Toronto, Ontario, and he has um, a lot of experience exhibiting, and uh, he has indeed found his own uh, photography style, and uh, it's a topic that's of interest to him, so uh, we're going to talk to him about it today. Before we get into it, I always like to thank people for their comments on our last podcast, number 133, where we talked about uh, essential camera features with uh, Royce Howland. And uh, thanks very much to Ruth M. and Tim Mackle, who left comments directly in the blog. That's photography.ca forward slash blog, and it's our most favorite way to get comments. All right, then let's just get uh, right into our podcast, an interview with Brett Culp. It's about a half hour long, so let's just get right into it now. And so I'd like to welcome a special guest to our podcast today. Today's guest is Brett Culp, and he's a fine art photographer from uh, Toronto, Ontario. Today we're going to talk about uh, finding your own unique style. But uh, before we get into it, thanks so much for doing this, Brett. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Marco. Thanks for having me. Uh, real pleasure. Uh, why don't we just find a little bit about you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your history, the photography you like to do, things like that? Sure. Um I've been actively uh, photographing now, I guess, uh, for exhibition purposes for about 15 years. I've been, I was photographing before that just for myself, but I, I got serious about um, 15 years ago. And um, the work that I do now um, has evolved to be uh, primarily uh, black and white kind of fine art uh, landscape and urbanscape kind of work. I have a... a a fondness for and and it ties into a bit of the the zen aesthetic uh the beauty of impermanence is what i call my website and and i kind of uh um let the work follow that lead very cool people always want to know could you tell us a little bit about the gear you use to make your images i started of course um with film um because that's all there was at the time so i um i actually went to Ryerson as well for film and photography. It was a media arts program, but I focused on film and photography. And also, I, I didn't mention, but I also work in the film industry. I'm a visual effects supervisor and um, and was a second unit director on the tutors, for example. So uh, images are my whole life. My wife is also uh, a, a, an exhibiting painter uh, and a jazz vocalist. So that would tie into our sort of the idea of our finding your uh, photographic voice, I guess. Yeah, started with film cameras, uh, 35 millimeter cameras primarily. Um, and then I moved up to uh, my 1952 Roloflex, uh, which um, there are still many photographs on my website uh, that were taken with that camera. Um, my, my, I, I had this philosophy. I love the idea that how far can you go with something? How far can we take something? And I've always, uh, at that time, loved the um, atmospheric kind of grainy photographs. And I look back at my books even from that time, and I've noticed that I highlighted images that were grainy. And, and so I tended to, and I've heard you talk about this on the podcast as well, I tend to push, you know, I was shooting with Tri-X and pushing three stops to get 3200 speed and things like that, and not really being afraid of what it was, but embracing 
um, you know, the, the materials. When I switched to digital, and I'm now using um, full-frame DSLRs, primarily Nikon, um, I, I'm not as happy with the look of grain, uh, of noise, digital noise. And so I found that, um, interestingly, the tools changed um, the subject to some degree. And I was still finding that textural quality that I was after, but more in the subject as opposed to in the medium. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, before you continue, I'm going to encourage our uh, listeners to uh, check out the show notes because um, hopefully Brett will allow us uh, to show uh, feature a couple of his images uh, right here uh, on the site there. Absolutely. Cool. And maybe we can look at one of the ones that were the grainy pictures from the early days and and now what that's uh, how that's evolved. Sure, sure. I'll just throw something out from my film days. I also loved the use of grain uh, back in the day and bought films that would accentuate that. My favorite film from back in the day, and they're still making it today, is uh, Delta 3200. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, it's like golf ball size grain, especially when you push it to 6400 or even greater. But for those people that are looking to get the grain the authentic old way, that film is still available at like under 10 bucks a pop. So it's not free, but it's not a fortune either. <laughs> Let's start getting into talking about uh, photographic style and finding your photographic style. I know a lot of people are really interested in this. Um, I used to be more interested in this personally. Uh, now I'm just personally quite happy to make the images that I make. And sometimes my style varies. I don't find I have a consistent style, but I know that it's the goal for a lot of photographers. They look at photographers that they may like or that they appreciate or that, or they look at some of their heroes actually. And they're like, I want my own style. I need to develop my own style. I know you have a lot to say about uh, finding your own photographic style. So I'll just let you start it off and, um, and start talking about it. How do we find our photographic style and what do you have to say about finding your own photographic style? Well, I, I should start by saying uh, that photography for me is not, um, I don't use it to, as, a, as a means to remember, uh, like it's not a memory device or it's not, I don't use it um, as a, for documentary purposes or to, to um, capture uh, something um, as, you know, as if you're looking out the window or something perfectly realistic. For me, it's, it's about, um, it's a tool that I use for personal artistic style. So um, what I say will have that color uh on it that's most of our listeners anyway so go right. go for it okay so um i like to start with um there's a quote by hugh mcleod um who, who wrote a, a great book on creativity called ignore everybody um and uh, the quote is uh, part of being a master is learning to sing in nobody else's voice but your own and so i think that's kind of the you know the the whole premise of of, of um of what i'm going to talk about but essentially what I suggest is that because there is only one person in the world that is uh, like you exactly and and therefore has your um, your history, your emotions, sensibilities, all of the experiences that you have, um, you know, uh, every little event that you experienced through your life um, has contributed to you being who you are. And ultimately that that is a gift. And when you're true to that, um, your interpretation and responses to to anything, to subjects uh, that you're looking at, to music, to uh, you know, being in an environment, all of that um, that response will reflect your uniqueness, and then photographically result in your choices of 
um, you know, lenses and aperture and shutter and, and the kind of lighting that you like and how you compose uh, uh, um, an image, um, the post-processing choices that you use. Maybe your, you know, your personality is uh, soft, so, you know, just easiness, softness, smoothness or something. And therefore you um, choose to put a, a, a long, like a, a deep neutral density filter on your lens and get the, 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 you know, the clouds to streak through the sky or the water to turn into that misty kind of look or whatever. All of these things ultimately would be, if, if you're being true to yourself, come from what it is that moves you. And that's why you would use uh, these uh, techniques. So when you embrace your individuality, um, including your shortcomings, um, you, you begin the process of finding your style and, um, and you'll be able to do potentially what others can't. And for me, a good example and tying back to the voice um, is if you look at um, Louis Armstrong or Neil Young or Leonard Cohen or um, other musicians like that. I mean, I don't know that you would say that any of them, any of the, the voices are technically amazing, but each of them had, you know, it has, has, it's just perfect for when, because they've embraced it, it's perfect for the music that they do. And, um, and you also, you couldn't imagine any of them trying to sing like anybody else. <laughs> true, true <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's another, there's a great, um, Charles, uh, Schultz, uh, peanuts, uh, cartoon that I really like with Snoopy with his cool guy sunglasses on and his Joe cool sweater. And it's and it says, "Be yourself. No one can say you're doing it wrong." I like that. I like that. And I actually like where you where you're coming from here with your thoughts on uh, you know on finding your own voice kind of thing. We all are unique. Uh, my only thing is, you know, I could see how, you know, in a lot of people that a lot of artists that do things for purely creative reasons, they're going to be introspective people. And they're going to get what you're talking about right away. I get it immediately. You know, I'm very different than everyone else. And, you know, I'm going to bring my uniqueness to my photography. That's cool. But I consider myself an introspective person. Um, lots of people don't. Lots of people don't think about themselves. And they're more technical people. And they haven't done any self-discovery at all. They just pick up a camera. Uh, they like photography. They like making images, especially when they're just starting out, but they're not introspective people. What advice would you give to people like that? Uh, well, I think that your style is the choices that you make. And I, I think that the choices that you make ultimately do need to come from within um, to uh, to fully reflect who you are. So it's true that that this does take self-reflection. I don't I don't know that there's really a way to find a, a style that's, uh, that is, you know, not just a, a gimmick or, um, used superficially that, um, that doesn't, uh, take into account kind of who you really are. And so I, I do think that it does require, um, and, it, and it's fine not to do it. I mean, as you were saying, I mean, you, you, you know, can, can do a variety of different things and, and be completely happy with it. But I think that I'm speaking a little more to the art the art side of things and really art is your the result of your interpretation or reinterpretation more more to the point of something based on who you are and and therefore needs to speak about and for you and your choices uh, or your style um, should needs to support that um, it, it's really what's inside versus what's outside um, or what outside influences are um, you know a fancy film school kind of uh, terminology is esoteric versus exoteric, which really just means inside or outside. 
you know, uh, exoteric would be more about concerning the world outside you. And it's a document of the object in front of the lens and a, a memory device that, that I was speaking about earlier, um, where esoteric would be more concerns the world inside you and inside the subject. Um, it's kind of the S if you can say such a thing, it's the essence of the thing. And it, it's what makes the art meaningful, I think. I like that. Do you think, though, that you can also find your own personal style through emulation, through looking yeah. at through looking at other photographers' work? Let's say. Um, I don't think ultimately um, that you can avoid that. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great way to start because really it's about experimenting and failing and trying again, and and um, I mean I think that's really one of the ways to get there. I mean, especially for those people that, you know, again, they may not be so introspective. If they study some of the masters, you know, uh, Steiglitz, Cartier-Bresson, um, you know, or even more modern masters of, 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 of any name, if they study them, they may find things they like, things they don't like. They may be able to shape their style based on the style of others and thereby create their own unique style, perhaps. I don't even know another way to start, really. We, we've seen these images our whole lives. And I find that photographers are often desperate to have their work stand out. Yeah, I would agree and, with that. And I, I think that, and I think desperate is kind of the key word. And I know this be also because I was one of these people. I think we all have gone through this. Um, because, and particularly now with the digital cameras being as good as they are, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to find technically that individual look i mean straight out of the camera it's just they're so technically good and there's such a dynamic range and the colors are great and all that um and i find that um that people then start to use uh, often um various uh superficially various techniques um like um you know hdri and oversaturation of images and you know the even the old rebate edge kind of look and the tilt shift lens miniature effect and instagram you know we know all of these right and even black and white frankly can potentially be put into that category um and i it's not that i have any issue with any of these things in fact i employ a lot of them a lot of the time but it's just a question of aesthetics and how far you go with these things um you know you talked about this i think um uh, nicely in um, your podcast, How Much Processing is Too Much, which was very interesting for me to listen to. For me, the more I see, the more and more I see that the, there's, there's, and I used to kind of push it hard too, um, but more and more I see that the artistry is in the subtle. Um, to me, the acidic colors and extreme HDRI is, is kind of like yelling all the time and without any, any pause. And so for me, drama is is, um, you know, there's got to be the spaces as well. There's got to be the, the quiet places and, and for the, to be drama. And, and a lot of that, for example, extreme HDRI, um, you know, gets rid of the, the shadows or brings up the darks and, and all that. And it flattens it out for me. So for me, it's not, it's not um, to not use those things. I think that they're very valid. It's just, you know, there's an aesthetic quality and, and, you know, um, that, that's necessary when, um, when dealing with them. And an example of, of, um, to go back to one of the masters, an example of using, uh, this, a similar kind of technique, uh, to further a vision would be Ansel Adams, uh, monolith half, half, uh, the face of half dome, which he did in 1927. And the story goes that he had taken a photograph of this, of the, that very subject from that very angle on several occasions. It was never happy with it and never captured how he felt about it. Um, and then one day he decided to put a deep red filter over the uh, lens and it turned the sky very dark and it made the thing look, 
um, you know, imposing and and um, and powerful, and that then captured um, and uh, what he was feeling, and to some degree, it was experimenting, and then um, in capturing that, he it, it followed through to his other work. Very good example, actually. Let's just talk about Ansel Adams just for like a little bit of time. I think part of finding your own style. I wonder if patience, you know, has has partly to do with it as well. And, you know, both of us come from the film world. We know that Ansel Adams was a patient dude. You know, we don't live in a patient world anymore. We, <laughs> do, we live in a one second world. But yeah. maybe part of his finding his style had really to do with the patience and the um, extreme care and delicate craftsmanship that he wielded or he created for every single print that he made. I wonder if, if patience isn't, isn't also part of finding your photographic style. Everyone wants to be a photographer and we could buy a camera tomorrow that's going to take pretty good pictures under normal conditions. If we have a good sense of composition, we could maybe even make decent photos right out of, you know, right out of the box. But patience isn't there. You know, the the work, the seeing isn't really there. The practice isn't there. Maybe we could talk about that for a few minutes. <laughs> Some of what you just said reminded me of the, a quote that I've heard on several occasions, which is, uh, if you buy a piano, you own a piano. If you buy a camera, you're a photographer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, there's no doubt about it that um, the development of a style um, is a gradual process um, and it can take quite some time to manifest. And, and it needs to, I think, naturally, um, any forcing it could result in, in a, the work looking contrived or superficial or something. Yeah, for, some, for someone just starting out, if I could interrupt, I mean, they're not going to find their, they're unlikely to find their style in a month. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most photographers that have a style, most photographers that are known by other photographers, they're known by other photographers because they've been working at it for decades, not months, decades, normally. Yeah. I mean, as, as we were saying that I think that you need to continue to investigate the ways of expressing and, and exploring and failing and learning and trying again and, and not being afraid to experiment and, and try different things. Um, on top of that, there's all of that craft that you need to um uh, a master really um I, I think and you know ansel adams was the master i mean it's unbelievable what he was doing in 1927 i mean you've probably seen i don't um you know in in some of his great publications um there's diagrams of his dodging and burning and where, what he was going to do and you know essentially doing it blind in uh, in the day um just incredible and of course, he invented the zone system, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you know, he, he would know how to flash the film a little bit to, to, in order to, and then, you know, the pushing and pulling and, and, you know, um, changing the, the chemistry in order to get the dynamic range that he would need. And then if you see one of his images like um, Clearing Winter Storm, and I've had the um, opportunity to see it in person, I mean, it's the, the, the tonal range is unbelievable. I, I don't think I've seen anything, um, um, uh, contemporarily that is, is, uh, is, is, is extreme, um, and, and perfect, you know, no, no highlights blown out. The shadow detail is there, but there is lots of deep shadow. Um, it's really amazing. So I, I do think that you're absolutely right in that, um, it isn't, it isn't for the, um, we do live in a immediate culture. Um, and, um, and I think it, it's, <laughs> it's not for that group necessarily, you know, or you have to, as you say, learn patience in order to get there. Yeah, no, 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 for sure, for sure. Uh, I've also been fortunate enough to see some Ansel Adam prints, and I 
studied Ansel Adams back in the day, so pretty familiar with the uh, unbelievable tonal range and quality of his work. Like you say, you look at an Ansel Adams print, even a print that's 50 or 60 year old, 60, 50 or 60 years old now, that print still sings, just like you say, it sings and it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that again is part of the dedication to the craft. So maybe one of the good points in here is finding your own style is not a fly by night activity. It's uh, <laughs> it's a patient, very patient activity. And maybe, you know, maybe it should be really a personal activity. If, you know, I think many of us want reward. We want either um, to be discovered. We want money. We want to sell one print for $6.5 million, you know, <laughs> as one was just sold last week mm-hmm. or two weeks ago. But at the end of the day, I mean, these are less lofty goals. You should be doing it for yourself, I think. And I personally, I think we're on the same page on this, you know, the true joy is is really doing it for yourself, and you'll likely make better images, uh, more consistent images, uh, images that do adhere to a certain style. Likely, if you try and be yourself. Right. I mean, I, I think that once to to go back uh, a little bit, and then I'll come back to what you just said. I do believe that once you begin mastering the technical and really listening to your inner voice. Um, your style will naturally reveal itself. Um, but I think you have to do the time. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. You absolutely have to put in the time. The other thing though, is that I think that with 7 billion plus people on the planet today, if, if you do, uh, do something that is uh, true to who you are, um, just like, um, Neil Young's wobbly voice or, you know, um, anybody else, there is going to be an audience for it ultimately. So I, I think that that will come. Um, I think it's just a question of getting there, you know, finding it, finding who you are and then having that present itself. And then I think, um, I do think that um, there's there's going to be somebody who loves what you do. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. For newer photographers uh, that may be listening, again, uh, in the goal of trying to find their own style, again, if they're not sure what to do, would you tell them just to practice different styles or do you do you find people might generally you know they might like to shoot portraits more landscapes more um are there those people that are just so general that that they have no idea what to shoot what do we recommend for them i (laughs) i do think that it is that there's probably something that you love that really excites you and um and I, I know that we photographers do get excited about the technical and the new lenses and, and the, the dynamic range on that new body and all that stuff. I'm I'm one of those uh, uh, as much as anybody. Yeah, but we're we're not talking about that now. Right. Yeah. But the other side of that is that there is something that excites you that you there, there's got to be. I mean, I have not met anybody yet who it doesn't have a passion of, and it may be buried or it may be suppressed or whatever, but it's there and. My suggestion would be just to to you know why don't you try um, exploring that um, with your with your camera as your means to uh, express it or express how you feel about it. Um, it could be anything. It could be you know um, uh, it, it could be uh, relationships and so portraits and that kind of thing, or it could be uh, just loving to to be out in the outside and. In nature, or I mean, there's there's something that is exciting to everybody, and I do think that probably there's a way to to um, to focus that um, through your photography. But <laughs> beyond that, 
Um, I do think that, you know, that um, there needs to be some amount of self-examination. Um, and and I think a great way to do this, and, and this is, I, I can hear your whole podcast listeners groaning when I say this, but um, I would suggest that um, one of the best things that you can do to help um, find what that might be is to write an artist statement about your work. Definitely one of the 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 things that all of us dread doing. Um, usually, it, it's done for exhibitions, but um, I I suggest that um, whatever body of work that you have now uh, might be interesting to write an artist statement about that work because uh, it does lead to to an understanding of what motivates your work or you, um, and that could result in the focusing of a subject matter and and therefore and then a style. I like that actually. I think that's that's pretty valid, especially when you don't know where you're going. Um, by actually, you know, using twenty or thirty words to describe your work, that may focus you more. I think that's a really good practical idea, actually. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a long statement. I think for me, um, shorter and more to the point um, is is better. And and just to clarify, an artist statement isn't a biography, so. Um, it's more of an introduction to your work. Um, to me, that w- how you would use it in a in an exhibition would be that um, if you were not there to to talk about it or to whatever, it's a little it's a little intro. Um, it's it's like t- it's a helping point to help people put some context on what it is that you're doing because it's not about a bio or it's not about the process of making the work. I think you should avoid and just a couple pointers. I think um, avoid writing in the first person. So no, I, me, my, it's what about, it's what it's about what's photographed and not who photographed it. Um, it should help you connect with the work um, and give it context. Um, and uh, as I said, it, it try to be as clear as you can. Um, and uh, for me, most importantly, don't use art speak. Um, which uh, most people will know what I mean by that, but it's that ridiculously complex, jargony, in critic, celebrity, academic, historian, gallery owner, museum director, crazy talk. I have a quote from Macbeth High School, long time ago. Tis a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. That's it. <laughs> but... Uh, in terms of artist statements, why don't um, you have one? Why don't uh, you you read it to our readers if you don't mind? That way, it'll give them a more practical example. I have a couple. I could read you um, the the biggest body of work that I have is my Irish uh, portfolio. Sure. So maybe I could read that one. Yeah, go ahead, please. Exhibition was called Between Heaven and Earth, and I said the mythic Irish landscape and its people have had a profound impact on one another. The Celts saw the land as a living source of wisdom, beauty, and transformative spiritual power. Among the first to believe in the eternal nature of the human spirit, uh, they constructed monuments to death, rebirth, and the cycles of the seasons and the stars. Castles and fortresses and ruins uh, are evidence of an untold of untold invasions and conflicts conflicts throughout a tumultuous history. These vestiges of the past continue to resonate through the countryside today. Be- beautifully poignant in the process of decay, they tell their own story and possess their own kind of mortality. Nothing that belongs to the earth is ever free from it. This sacred connection between the landscape of Ireland and its people has not disappeared over the centuries. I like that. And maybe we could even include that with a picture from that gallery uh, in the show notes, if you're amenable to that. Sure. I also have on the front page of my website, I think, um, two sentences, which I think sum up what I'm after with my work. And that is, uh, the transitory nature of existence binds everything in the material world. 
Careful observation reveals the beauty within each fleeting moment. Good words. Good words. Thank you. Really good stuff uh, so far, Brett. Let's talk about criticism for a sec, because especially for those people that are just starting out or maybe people with thinner skin, you know, artists are sensitive people. We want to put our work out there. We generally don't do it in a vacuum. We want people to see it and then people criticize it either positively or or negatively, you know, they'll put it on uh, a site like photography.ca or Flickr or anywhere else, actually, you know, and get a lot of, uh, get some response to it. And sometimes the response wasn't what they were expecting. Could you talk about criticism for a little bit and, and, you know, and how we can deal with it? Sure. Well, it's hard. It is hard because um, as artists, we are, um, despite the what we uh, sometimes present uh, ourselves as um, our a sensitive bunch, I think. Um, and so it is, uh, it is difficult, um, particularly the first, when you, uh, first get, uh, criticism. When I went to Ryerson, I went through a uh, critique pretty regularly. And, you know, my, the first reaction is to try to justify what you've done. But, um, ultimately, um, there is often something that you can take from that criticism. Um, if you can, um, let your guard down a little and try not to, as hard as it is, try not to um, you know, be, uh, uh, offended or upset or hurt. Um, uh, there, there often is a nugget in there that, um, you may or may not, I mean, you, you could, you know, disagree with all of it, but, um, maybe there is something in there. So that's the first thing that I would say is, um, criticism isn't necessarily always a bad thing and it can actually help you. Um, and it can help, uh, again, um, clarify, uh, what you're doing because maybe the person is completely off base in your mind. Um, but again, um, through, uh, thinking about it or thinking, uh, or listening to what they're saying, um, it'll, it'll, um, strengthen your resolve. But again, maybe there's something there that is valuable that you can learn from. Sometimes we're so close to something, we can't see it as well. And, um, and sometimes somebody saying something, you can, it just, it's kind of like a light bulb goes off and you say, yeah, you're right. I, I did maybe, I have gone too far with that HDRI and I, you know, all my, my shadows are, have been lifted and it just, it's flat looking now. And I didn't see that because I was so close to it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly uh, agree with you. I think critique can be like a fantastic way to learn both uh, self-critique Mm -hmm. Um, as well as listening to critique. And a third way is maybe even critiquing others. Even if you don't do it in a public forum, just look at any image that anyone else made. See if you like it. I mean, uh, your ability to critique will come, will improve over time, of course, because at the beginning we don't know anything. We have to learn stuff. Uh, we have to learn about composition. We have to learn about exposure. We have to learn the basics. So we have to put in the work to learn the basics. But once mm -hmm. we've learned the basics, I think critique is incredibly valuable. You just, like you say, you can't always take it super personally. And I like to end with you, the artist, are the ultimate master. If 10 people are telling you something is wrong with your photo, then maybe something is wrong with your photo. But at the end of the day, you are the creator with, of that photo. And the creator can, you know, put his nose up to what anyone else says. And if you're happy with the work, I guess ultimately that is the absolute most important thing. If, if you put your work on the wall and you think it's perfect the way it is, then it is. It may only be perfect for you, but yeah. it's perfect. Yeah, that's it. Well said. Cool. Um, I think on that note, we're going to start to wind down. But if people did want to find out more about you and your work, Brett, uh, why don't you tell us where we could find you? You could go to the best place is my website, which is uh, www.brettkulp, B-R-E-T, one T, 
Um, there's another Brett Culp photographer and, and filmmaker out there uh, with two T's. So use one and you'll get to my website. But uh, a lot of my work is there. Um, you know, all, all of the stuff that we've been talking about, uh, bios and, and artist statements and things, um, as well as uh, upcoming exhibitions and, um, and past and, and everything is there. So and, and connections to me on Twitter and Facebook and things like that. Awesome. And as well, for the last time, I want to encourage people to check out the show notes because there's going to be some uh, photographs that we've spoken about in this podcast that uh, directly relate. So I encourage people to check out the show notes. Really appreciate uh, you doing this, Brett. It was a really a nice conversation on a, a topic that I know a lot of people are thinking about. So I uh, really appreciate you doing this and uh, hopefully we can have you back again at some point in the future. Great. It's been my pleasure, Marco. Thank you. Thank you. And I'd like to thank Brett Culp for that interview uh, one last time. And uh, his work is really quite cool. So uh, I really do encourage you to, to check his website out. I'd like to thank the Camera Store for sponsoring this podcast. The Camera Store is a full-line dealer for an entire range of photographic equipment and supplies. Whether you are a leading professional or new to photography, their expert staff are always ready to assist you in finding the perfect equipment at great prices. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Hope this podcast maybe inspired you to uh, dig deep and find out what your photography style may be based on your preferences and stuff. But uh, whatever you do, don't give up. Just get out there and keep on shooting. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks so much for listening.